When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's an enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Want to know this morning at some point, what do you think of Boris's gambling the family silver not to mind the the lives and health of thousands of people over in the UK going ahead with it from the 19th of July one of the leading voices in public health in Ireland has called it a very dangerous experiment you've heard him on the opinion line before you'll hear him again in a wee while a very dangerous experiment is what he's calling it. On BBC this morning, their new health secretary over there has said that they expect about 50,000 new cases a day by July 19th. And it could go to double that per day. Here this morning, we're being told, it's in the Irish Times, that there's every possibility that by the time we get to July 19th, we'll be on a 1,000 cases a day. And they're hoping and praying hoping and praying, literally, that this link between new case numbers and hospitalizations and intensive care and death, they are hoping against hope that it has been broken or at least very, very much uh, minimized. They just don't know. The data isn't there yet. John Campbell is insisting that the data just isn't there yet. It looks promising. But it's not there yet. We'll come back to all of that. I'd like to know what you think about what Boris did yesterday. But remarkable story first this morning on the front page of the Irish. So oh, we'll also come back to breastfeeding because we had a big response to breastfeeding at work yesterday. That's also happening later this morning. But first to the front page of the Irish Sun and to Anne Mooney, who's written that front page about a guy called Pete Courier. And I said, where have I heard that name before? Where have I heard that name before? Where have I seen that name? Where have I seen that face? So wasn't he a tour manager or a, um, a tour promoting he was the gaffer basically on U2 gigs for years wasn't he Anne good morning to you uh, yes he was uh, PJ um, Peter's, Peter's a real character um, and he arrived in Kinsale on Saturday um, helped by the uh, local RNLI uh, lifeboat who um, plucked him and his boat well not quite plucked but literally um, brought him and his boat back into the safety of uh, Kinsale Harbour because uh, he had been 52 days 
um, sailing from the Caribbean across to um, across the Atlantic, um, hoping first of all to get to Ireland where his family live and um, to the south of Ireland, obviously to Cork. Mm. So where else would you live? And um, and then on to uh, Wales to Cardiff. Um, but uh, but he he met storms and uh, he met. Um, all sorts of difficulties, including the fact that his sails came down and uh, his engine stopped. And uh, he yet managed to make the um, the 6,500-kilometre journey um, safely, um, mm. riding the boat, a, a boat called Sea Symphony, mm-hmm. um, which he literally rescued uh, in the Caribbean because it had been... Um, it had been almost abandoned and left to rot by its previous owners um, because it was full of termites. Yeah. So, it's a nice little um, story. He, he bought it with an inheritance from his mother, did he? Yes, that's right. His mum died uh, in 2019 and um, he he used all his money. He's using all his money, I, I think, at this stage. Um, while he didn't say it, I think he's he's pretty much at the end of, of any funds he has because um, he has set up a GoFundMe to uh, try and get the uh, the rest of, of the, the work done. Um, his big problem actually are the termites which have invaded the uh, vessel and which literally have been eating their way through um, through wood, obviously, in the, in the vessel. Um, but but the boat itself is, is a beautiful example of a yacht. Um, and uh, he... I suppose Sea Symphony, considering that it got him where it did, um, is, is an appropriate name for it. Mm. Um, it, it it's kind of the idyllic retirement, isn't it? I mean, 68, you know, buy your own not. boat and go sailing. Like. No, no, hang on, PJ. He's not retired. Is he not? Um, no, Crikey. no, he's not. No, but but what he what he did tell me was that now he picks and chooses right. um, what he wants to do. And so um, he had a gig. He had planned after arriving in Wales and going to the south of France, where he's, I, I think he was going down to help some friend build eco houses. Um, he w- he had planned to go on to India, where he had a gig lined up. Um, but obviously, because of COVID, everything has come to a halt. Um, but no, no, he definitely isn't retired. And he's very fit and healthy and... Uh, I suppose that's because he realised that the kind of, you know, uh, after a few decades uh, in the rock and roll business that, mm. um, you know, you, you can't live the lifestyle mm. and survive. He so, has that rock and roll look about him, doesn't oh, he? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> with, uh, with the head of hair, yes, <laughs> yes he has. I'd say he's a gas character, Anne, is he? He's he's super. He really is, you know. And I think uh, I think people of Kinsale have taken him to their hearts. Um, but he he's he's now um, going around trying to get the materials together to repair the boat. And there's quite a lot of repairing to be done because uh, five of the six sails are gone, and the engine uh, the engine has packed up. So there's he he certainly has quite um, quite a lot to do. But he appears to be. A, a DIY expert himself, you know, but I'm mm. sure some of the locals will row in and help him as well. You know, his, his kids all live in Cork, and uh, yes, they yeah. do. They, they, the family moved to Cork in uh, 1991 uh, when he was on tour and was um, just uh, on tour all the time. Um, but his wife, uh, his his former wife, um, who had an Irish mother. 
um, wanted to come and uh, rear her children in Ireland because she felt it was a better place for them to uh, to be uh, than in the UK. So they they packed their bags and arrived, and uh, and obviously um, Ireland struck a chord with them because all the children are living here. Um, and he actually spent um, a year of COVID with his daughter who lives in Ballinspittal, where he where he renewed. Uh, he hadn't seen her since she was. Isn't it gas? And you know the, the whole. We're just an aside for a second. Like this guy toured with you two, Prince, Nirvana, UB40, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, yeah. and his daughter lives in the shadow of the statue in Ballinspittal. I know. <laughs> See, I mean, the world is such a village, like. I know, I know, and and he really enjoyed his time in Ireland because um, even on his Facebook pages, he's these wonderful photographs of him uh, with uh, with the family, you know, and on the beaches, and and as he said, uh, the weather was really good, which it was last year during COVID, and so he got a t- he got to spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, he could, what had happened, actually happened in that case was he was due to return from the UK to Grenada, where the boat is based, and uh, everything shut down. So he just couldn't get over there. So he, his, he, he thought about his options and his daughter said to him, well, why don't you come and visit me and, and stay with me and, you know, get to know the family, really, I suppose. Yeah. He would have gigged with them in Cork, wouldn't he, with you two in Cork? Uh, I'm not quite sure because he actually, when he was on the tour, he was telling me that um, uh, these big sound things um, fell on top of him right. and uh, and injured injured him badly, right. um, effectively uh, creating massive um, back problems, which he still has today. Obviously, because yeah. what you do your back in your your yeah yeah, and, and, and uh, humping gear around will do that to you, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so he was on crutches for six months. So he had to um, he had to leave the tour because he obviously couldn't operate. So I'm not quite sure if uh, if he actually hit it here in Cork, but uh, certainly um, it was interesting. I asked him who he liked in U2, and he didn't say Bono. Mm. Um, he said the Edge, you yeah. know, and the bass player. Well, of the four um, of them, from what we know, and we know very lim- little about them, obviously, and he seems to be the soundest in general. Yes, yes, and that's what he said. He described him as a gentleman, somebody who was always kind of willing to help. You yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. I think, I think it kind of speaks for itself because everybody has good words to say about yeah. the edge. So obviously, and I uh, think you're a small bit starstruck yourself by this fellow, yeah. No, no. <laughs> you certainly enjoyed chatting with him. I'm kind, I'm kind of sorry I didn't get a photograph with him. That's the only thing. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I was on kind of a deadline, PJ. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. He's, it's it's a great piece, and it's a lovely front page. It's it's a nice alternative page, front page from COVID, which which is why we wanted to talk to you this morning. He was the engine blew, and he was set. He was rescued by the. By the Sally Ann Baggy. Yes, he was. And, uh, you know, I don't think that we give enough credit to the volunteers, and they are all our volunteers of the lifeboats, uh, who are the NL, or NLI, who actually head out at great risk to themselves. Now, the, the seas were okay yeah. on Saturday when they went out and brought him in, but one, one of their crew members actually went on board uh, to stay with him because he was absolutely exhausted. I don't think he'd slept for weeks. Uh, there was a time when, uh, you know, when he, he hit a 4-7 uh, 
uh, Gail and I think that might have wiped out some of, of the, the, the sales at that stage mm. but um, but like he, he survived it you know he he this lone sailing I think is something that uh, yeah. you have to uh, be able to endure mentally and physically and um, he certainly um, came through it and survived and uh, doesn't look too bad after it. He'll be around for a while, will he, or is he going to move on? Because um, well, he's he's around until he can get uh, until he can get the boat uh, up and running again, and then he plans to head on to Wales mm. um, and then, as I said, to the south of France and. Uh, Maybe, um, and it doesn't look like it, but if COVID, that awful word again, um, does kind of recede somewhat, then obviously India is in the plans in the future. All right, listen, Anne, good to talk to you. And it sounds like a real character. Pete Currier. Uh, thanks, Anne Mooney of the Irish Sun, the XU2 tour manager. I knew I knew the name and I knew I knew the face. Uh, but he's in Kinsale now, so if you see him wandering around munching chips out of Dino's, Say hello. 1850. That's Kinsale. The whole world can wander around Kinsale munching chips out of Dino's. And we just say, ah, there's so-and-so. That's Kinsale. They're all mad. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread. 100% natural. And made in Cork using West Cork cream. <laughs> All the stars on one show. Yo, what's up? It's your boy KSI. Yo, what's good, Universe? It's 24K Golden. I'm Miley Cyrus. Hi, we're picture this. This is Medusa. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks. Shane Bucks. On your radio, weeknights from 8. With Lucy's Nissan Charleville. Put a smile on your face with the all-new Duke. The Coupe Crossover. LucyMotors.com. Cork's 96FM. So yesterday afternoon, it was the long-awaited press conference from Boris Johnson. You remember that originally they were supposed to open everything up on the 21st of June and operating on the advice of his scientific advisors. Hello, that's what we do here too. He decided to pause it for four weeks. Now, I don't think he was too happy about the idea, but he did. And yesterday afternoon, he then gave a press conference with regard to what will happen on the 19th of July, which is what? Just under a fortnight away. And pretty much he's opening up. I could go through the list, but I won't, because it's over there, not over here. But pretty much everything is opening up. Social distancing will be gone. You don't have to wear a mask unless you want to. On public transport or somewhere that's crowded. And pretty much, they're pretty much opening up. Pretty much going back to as you were pre-COVID, including things like the opening of nightclubs. And sure, as of today, at Wimbledon, they're, they're operating at full capacity. So, you know, they're, they're going to return to normal. Now that comes in the wake of this morning. Yesterday the numbers were creeping up, but this morning their health secretary, Savid or Sajid Javid, I can never get his name right, said that they were, he was speaking on the BBC's Today programme about 50,000 new cases a day by July the 19th at the rate the thing is spreading over there. Then they could rise significantly to 100,000 cases a day, and they reckon that that is okay to live with. So the, the, the guts of his announcement yesterday was, well, we either do it now or we don't do it at all. We must be honest with ourselves that if we can't reopen our society in the next few weeks, when we will be helped by the arrival of summer and by the, the school holidays, then we must ask ourselves, 
when will we be able to return to normal? And to those who say we should delay again, the alternative to that is to open up in winter uh, when the virus will have an advantage or not at all this year. He's big on the idea of personal responsibility, that how you live from here on in, how you choose to operate alongside this virus is pretty much up to yourself. We are trying to move from a a system of very elaborate government uh, rules to one in which we rely on people to exercise personal responsibility to, to follow guidance, mindful that, as I say, this pandemic is is far from over. What we have achieved uh, with the vaccine rollout has put us in a, a, a very strong uh, position by comparison with, uh, with many other countries in terms of the, the wall of protection uh, that we have. But we must, remain, uh, we must remain cautious. And I don't want people to feel that this is, uh, as it were, the moment to get uh, demob happy. This is the end of, the, uh, of COVID. It is very far uh, from the end of, uh, of dealing with this. Don't, don't get demob happy. In other words, we're opening up, but don't lose the run of yourselves, lads, which is effectively the warning to the British public. The Dean of uh, Public Health at UCC, Professor Ivan Perry, joins me. Ivan, I think you've described this as a very reckless experiment. Good morning. Yes, hi, hi, good, 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 good morning. It is, of course, it's, 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 it's a completely reckless experiment, the idea that you'd open, as you said, Everything up. They aren't even requiring people to to to, to wear masks on 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 London underground, and um, this makes absolutely no sense in a in a country where you know only about sixty percent of the population are fully fully um, vaccinated, and where whereas you you said in your intro rates are still rising. In fact, there was one day last week where there were more cases of. Of COVID in in the UK, down in the down in the the rest the rest of Europe c- combined, mm. and so it, it's it's a it's it's a it's a mass experiment. And while while people keep saying, well, the the link that that cases don't matter so much now because the link between cases and hospital hospitalisation and deaths has been broken. But but in fact it has it has only only been partially broken. There are still there are still hospitalizations and and indeed deaths in um in um in unvaccinated younger and middle aged people and indeed in in, in some um vaccinated people. But and what worries me, Ivan, as an observer, uh, mm-hmm. is that we have always known that there is a, it's, it's not obviously a ratio as such, but there was a mathematical link, if you like, for every hundred cases, you could predict that a certain number would end up in hospital. Now, we don't have that prediction yet, but we know there is some connection. The numbers don't tell us yet what that connection is. Yeah, yeah but that's right. And of course, the, now that we've, we've vaccinated the older and more vulnerable people, clearly the, the connection has been severely weakened but there are still and there will unfortunately still be deaths in young people and we don't know for certain particularly with the the delta variant what that what that ratio is and and we also have to consider the the, the problem of um, of long long covid there was a, a, a paper from the office of national statistics published in london last 
Friday, and the, it's it's estimated that that one million people in the in the UK are mm-hmm. are c- currently living with long long COVID, and and and, and that translates into significant symptoms: tiredness, fatigue, shortness of breath, um, poor memory, and and concentration up to six months after their their in in infection. Mm. To analyze analyze his point for a moment, the point that he makes that look, if we don't try it now, we can't try it in winter because we know that the virus thrives in winter with more people being indoors. If we don't try it now, do we stay closed down until twenty twenty two? Is effectively what he's asking. Yeah, no, I th- you see, I think the, the obvious repurpose to that is um, we 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 try to open gradually, not all in one big bang, when when maybe seventy five to eighty percent of the, the population are actually vaccinated. <laughs> because their 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 vaccination rates are although they're quite high, they they're they they're, they're still not remotely high enough. And yeah. and of course no no children have been vaccinated. And in a relatively short time we probably will have have um safety data from trials that that, that it is that, that it is safe to vaccinate um, ch- 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 children, and why would we expose our 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 children to an to an uncontrolled epidemic of an infection with unknown medium to to long term consequences just just for the sake of of um, um, opening the, the bars and restaurants and nightclubs a, um, a few months earlier than mm. we might otherwise. Sage, which is an advisory group over there, has pretty much warned that this might only last a few weeks and that they could end up closing down again. Do you agree with them? Yes, yes, no, absolutely. And it was interesting to listen to um, uh, who, who, their chief um, um, medical officer last night, Fritty, was saying that, look, he, he's still going to be um, wearing a mask and, and, and would would recommend that, that people can continue social distancing and, and so on. So I, I, I think the, the, uh, the um, I mean, I'm not aware of any public health or other scientists in the UK who thinks this is a good idea. Let's look at the situation here at home, Professor Perry, for a moment. We, we read this morning in our papers that the that Neffet is concerned we could be at a thousand cases a day by July 19th. Again, we have, thankfully, the, the weakening of the link between cases and hospital. Well, we know inevitably that as cases go up, so too will hospital, will hospital admissions. Are you concerned yourself? Well, well, I think that um, you know at least we've we, we've 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 held 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 back on 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 opening the the uh, the uh, the bars and restaurants, and of course we are now exposed to some c- 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 collateral damage from the the policy in the in the the UK because of our of our open open uh, borders, and I mean. I accept, as we all do, we will have to open eventually. We can't stay closed down forever. That is that self-evident. But I, I think that we, we we need to proceed, you know, with significant caution and 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 essentially do do one thing at a time mm. uh, and and just inch inch uh, forward. And, How do you and, feel about the move towards indoor dining and drinking and other such privileges, shall we call them that, for the fully vaccinated? 
Um, I suppose requiring people to, to be vaccinated is 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 preferable to a com, 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 complete free for all. But but mindful of the fact that that if you're fully vaccinated, you're you're st- still not fully protected yeah. and you'll be served by, by by people who for the most part as yet won't be won't be vaccinated so you'll be saying to people to um continue to, to observe social distancing and, and wear their masks and and to to insist that that whatever premises that, that they're in is 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 well ventilated you know if the mm. windows are open and, and and so on because obviously ventilation is a factor and i, I would still be eating outside i don't think i'd be i, I I don't know. I, I don't know. Don't know any one of my colleagues in in um, public health who'd be who'd be eating indoors this summer, vaccinated or not. How how concerned would you be, uh, Professor Perry, for those among us who are immunocompromised or immunosuppressed? And the data is now showing us that while the vaccine is effective, mm. it's not as effective as we'd like it to be. Like, can we ever reach? The, the 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 dream of herd immunity when that is the situation. Yeah, no, I think that's that, that in a way that this is one of the key points is that we you know we we we, we take precautions like 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 max like mask wearing and indeed getting getting ourselves vaccinated not just for our own protection but to to pr- protect others and, and pr- particularly to, to those who are immunocompromised and. Um, I think that you know, in time we will get the we will get the numbers down. Particularly if we continue to do all of the 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 other stuff like investing in our public health teams and supporting them, making a a, a, a decent effort to to con- control the 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 the, the incoming um, incoming tra- 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 travellers. So we 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 if if we stay doing the basics. The basic public health measures that we have all been hearing about, plus the the ramping up of the vaccination, we will get to a point where the the, um, the level of transmission is is low, and, and and people who are and the risk to immunocompromised people at the at that stage will be slight, though they may, may still have to take some precautions like avoiding you know, crowded public yeah. transport settings and so on. And lastly and briefly, just a little science question, maybe to break it down quite simply for me. Is it the case that when we reach that magic number of 82 to 85%, is it the case, Professor Perry, that what happens is the virus can't thrive without a host? If enough, if enough of us are vaccinated and if we continue to mind ourselves it can actually perish is that is that how it works yeah yeah that's right the the uh, the the virus literally runs out of 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 people to to infect and and so it 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 meets it meets a wall of 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 um of 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 people who are who are not sus susceptible but i think we just have to bear in mind that that that, that wall includes several elements people think it's, it's just the the vaccine that the, the vaccine is a major plank in in the wall of, of course but but wearing you know pr- pr- proper um res- re- uh, res- res- respiratory masks the the, the n the n95s and so on n- not just um cloth coverings 
that's also part of the, the, the wall, you know, and, and, and avoiding, you know, the uh, uh, congregated um, settings and, and, and so on. So, so the 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 wall of of protection has has a number of elements. But of course, as we go go forward, the the uh, vaccine will, will will play an increasingly important role. All right. Listen, thank you for your time this morning. Professor Ivan Harry, Ivan Perry, rather. He's the Dean of Public Health at UCC, joining me once again on the Opinion Land. And he's one of those people. John Campbell would be another one. He's one of those people that we have learned over the last 12 to 15 months on his various appearances on the Opinion Line. He is rarely, if ever, wrong. And if he thinks they're doing the wrong thing in Britain, they're doing the wrong thing in Britain. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing. Tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Courts 96 FM. That's Boris's plan. Drive on from the 19th. Uh, personal responsibility. If you don't want to come out, stay in, effectively. If you don't want to go to a match, don't go to a match. If you don't want to go on the tube, don't go on the tube. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. By the 19th, they expect 50,000 cases a day. It could well go to 100,000. The thing is, in that number, in numbers that size, people are guaranteed to die. That's the risk they're taking. It's a massive risk. You have to say it's a massive risk. Will it work for them? Oh, it's, I have my doubts. I'd have my serious doubts. 1850-715-996. Now, young drivers across Munster are waiting up to a year and a half for a driving test. And because of that, they're paying hundreds of euros extra in insurance. Now, Transport Minister Eamon Ryan says he can get the waiting time down to 15 weeks, but insurance experts say that the waiting... That's a wildly optimistic guess. Jonathan Hare is with insuremyvan.ie and coverinaclick.ie works a lot with young drivers. Jonathan, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? First of all, I thought I couldn't drive at all if I was uh, still on a provisional licence, so... Can I not get? Can I, I surely can't get insurance on my own name? Can I? Oh no, you can drive uh, as a learner permit. You, you must have a full license holder in the vehicle with you. But you, you can, and you can definitely get insured as a learner permit. But you will pay more than somebody who has passed their test and has a full license. Which I suppose is the is the, is the point of the argument we're making. Um, and it's not with the testers, and it's not with the people who are running the test centres. But what we'd like to see is that the insurance companies recognise that there is such a backlog in people waiting to do their their tests that at the moment, it, it, it's difficult to explain, but at the moment with people who would have passed their tests by now but are paying a premium as a learner permit um, and the insurance companies are charging them an additional premium but at a pass rate of 55%, uh, which we would normally have, 
that means that 55% of the learner permit holders we have at the moment are paying between three and €600 extra for their insurance because they can't fit a test through no fault of their own. About how many people are waiting on a driving test at the moment? Between the theory test and waiting for a test, we're looking at about 200,000 people. And on the present rate of testing, how how long to clear that back? Well, I know what the Minister said about 15 weeks, and that's great, positive to hear, because again, what we're trying to to do is to help people save money on their insurance. But realistically, with 200,000 people waiting at a 55% pass rate, and more people are being added to the list all the time, um, our view would be that this is going to take about 35 weeks or 44 weeks as opposed to uh, what the Minister thinks. And, and some people could wait, you say, uh, up to 18 months. How would that be? Yes, it could, they will. Like, some people will be waiting up to 18 months to do this. I, I have no doubt that they will um, because we don't have enough testers for the backlog that we have at the moment. Um, and even as it is, every day there's more people being added to the list, there's more people being added to the list of people who are looking to do their theory test. Um, a lot of young drivers now um, have a plan in their mind. When they turn 17, um, if you talk to parents whose children are 17, one of the first things they look for in their 17th birthday now is the application for a theory test to sit it uh, with a view to getting their learner permit Um and when they pass theory tests, they do get the learner permit. The next step for them is to move on to doing their driving lessons because it's compulsory to do 12 driving lessons before yeah. you can fit your test. So we've people who are waiting to do the lessons, we've people who are waiting to do the theory test, and then when you have all that done, you're waiting to actually sit the full licence test itself, which is how you reduce your insurance premium by passing the test. It's one of the biggest savers that young drivers yes. who are paying oh, huge my own My own daughter, her, her, her premium went through the floor. Well... Relatively speaking, anyway, it yeah, drops drop considerably. It does, and with a lot of insurance companies, people don't realise as well. If you don't have to wait till your next renewal to get that reduction, um, I always say to people, you know, the first phone call you make when you when you pass your test as a learner permit is to your insurance company because from that moment on, they will give you a refund back for the time left on your mm-hmm. policy that you have got your full license. Yeah. And they did, and they did indeed. Jonathan, thank you very much. That's Jonathan Hare from insuremyvan.ie and coreinaclick.ie. Works a lot with young drivers. Now, Melanie has been on to the opinion line. Hi, Melanie. Hi. What what position are you in this? You're waiting on a theory test, correct? I am. I've been waiting on a theory test since last October. It's been postponed six times since, I'm assuming, due to COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um. It was meant to be on the 19th of July and I just got an email about two days ago to say that it was pushed to September again. Um, and is this not, forgive me, the, is this not a test they could do online, surely? Oh, it is. And now they've started to, but it's it's impossible to actually get a test online because you have all of these new 17-year-olds running to get their test as well. You have all these people who wanted to get their tests during covid all trying to go at the exact same time. So you have very limited online resources and they're not really answering the phone to take many more appointments due to the backlog. Right. right. So how um, does this leave you positioned as a young... I mean, obviously you can't drive with somebody in the without somebody in the car. You can't drive as it is without a theory test, correct? No, you can't drive at all. You can't sit behind the wheel without a theory test. Yeah. Um, me personally, I suffer from very bad anxiety, so I can't get the bus alone at all. And um, mm. so it's a case of if I want to go anywhere, I have to ask my mum or dad for a lift. Right. Hence, 
it's such a big deal to me to get back out on to get out on the road driving full stop. You struggle you struggle on the bus, Melanie. Yeah, yeah. How does that how does that happen? Um, I, I have Asperger's, so I'm kind of weary around other people or noises. Yes, okay. Okay, so um, it's a sensory thing. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Okay, so you really do need to be able to get to drive. Um, yeah. Very good. But at yeah. the same time, the, they're, they're trying their best in the sense that there is some people running over and they're booking their appointments and they're done their theory test and all just waiting for, you know, your lessons and to get further with the license. Yeah. So now you're off again until September. Yeah, exactly. Some people really have been messed up by... And are you working or going to college or what are you doing? Um, I'm not working but I will be going to college come September. Okay, so you'll, you'll need mum and dad to get you to college. Unfortunately so. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, un, that's unfortunate. Melanie, I wish you well with it when it does come around. That's awful. She applied, thanks Melanie, applied for her theory test last July. And she's now been put off again until September. I saw a picture of the weekend on the echo of stuff that was dragged up out of the sea by the volunteers from Clean Coasts, Ballinamona. And they found packaging, detergent boxes, from the 60s, Prunchy Satuma. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Your, your choice of song uh, to lead into this piece is absolutely genius. Whoever picked it about, you know, plastics lingering for so long uh, in the sea, and, and unfortunately it's right on our doorstep in, in, in Cork Harbour. So yes, how did you find are, these things? I, look, I, um, I suppose just to give it the background, we, we're, we're cleaning uh, over 40 kilometres of the Irish coastline uh, voluntarily. Um, and I suppose we're, 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 we're kind of joining the dots where we'll be kind of up to 3% in, in the not too distant future. Um, so what we're doing is, is just one of the volunteers said, you know, we need to go to White Bay next. Um, Claire, one of our volunteers, said, OK, let's do that. Well, I suppose we were waiting for COVID restrictions to lift for to, for for it to be safe for us to go out and meet, uh, and we're limited to fifteen on uh, our beach cleans. And we went to White Bay, and uh, I suppose uh, to describe it as uh, scratching an un- unwanted scab <laughs> is 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 it's it's pretty horrendous. It's pretty horrendous down there. Um, look, yeah, old plastic. Um, I, I suppose one of the, the pieces that we found and we threw it up on, on Twitter and we threw it up on Facebook was like this plastic scuba diver. And uh, one of the Facebook followers just kind of said, it actually looks like this. And it was like from a cereal packet, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And um, we found a Jay's fluid bottle uh, offering a one penny discount or a one P discount on the on the bottle now. I'm not sure the last time you got excited about a one p discount on for anything. Well, well given me, given that the currency ago. changed in 2000, <laughs> was well, it 2000? Yeah, well, 1999, and, and decimalisation came in in 1971. So it's between 1971 and 1999. We also found uh, on like just to give a bit of context, uh, White Bay is in two sections. Right, there's the there's the first part of the beach which is about 50 meters long. And then there's another side which is tidal. You can't really access it safely unless the tide is out. And all told, both beaches 
you know, add up to less than, the, you know, 100 metres. They're about 98 metres long. When the tide is out, you're talking about an area of, of six acres of beach, but the problem area is about 0.32 acres. So, um, you know, on, uh, it's a very small area, right, when, you know, in, in the scheme of things. So some of the other items we found were uh, cork milk producers or CMP milk bottles, the plastic ones. Again, that, that's 90s, maybe 80s, do you know what I mean? Um, but so, so there's the old retro litter that we're kind of, we're, we're picking up. The mm. second problem, uh, which uh, in, in that echo, and I'm very thankful yeah. to, to the echo on the examiner. I'd sum it up in a sentence, I read the same article. You're finding a lot of stuff that should never, ever, ever be flushed down the loo. Exactly, that's, that's it. And it was a smaller headline, but it was, that, that for me is, is the one that is, is the most dangerous part of it because uh, it's totally preventable. Um, what we, one of our volunteers last Saturday morning picked up 158 cotton buds in one hour amongst picking up other um, uh, fragments of, of, of microplastics and, and smaller pieces of plastic. 158. To date, we have picked up thousands, and I mean thousands, of, of cotton buds or earbuds. Um, there's, there's other sewage-related litter like tampon applicators. You know, look, these, the only way, the only route for those to get to White Bay Beach is being flushed down the toilet. So if mm. for everybody who's listening... They couldn't just blow into, please, the, ri- into the river and no, then... No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Um, look, for, for everybody who's listening, uh, you really need to put a bin in your bathroom, right? And, and I'm sorry, it's not me. I, I'm, I'm, I suppose we're trying to do this nicely and in a limited amount of time. But look, these three things that, that you know, are only supposed to go down the toilet. That's number ones, number twos, and, 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 and toilet paper. So pee, poo, and paper. Everything else should go in the bin. Um, so look, it, it's totally preventable. Um, and w- when I say we've picked up thousands of cotton buds, we have picked up thousands. And okay. uh, sadly, there's thousands more to pick up. Yeah. Um, I know that you are in need of some financial donations as well, Prunches. So in in in, a, in the about minute and a half that we've got left, where how can we help? Please go to ballynamona.org. B a l l y n a m o n a. Ballynamona.org. On the home page, there's a donor box screen there. It's very simple to do. Um, I think the minimum amount is three euros. We'd love anybody, if you can spare three euros, we, 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 we'd, we'd happily take three euros. Everything we do is voluntary. We, I suppose we paid out 460 euros last week to service one of the machines that we use for pulling around the tractor mm-hmm. and, and the, uh, the gator. We've, we've another 600 euros coming out fairly soon. Yeah. <laughs> and something else, insurance for our group is, is around the 2,000 euros every year. Look, it's not cheap. And, and little did I realise when I started this back in 2015, what I was getting into. But look, it has developed into a BFG, a, B, a big friendly joint. We want to keep doing what we're doing. Like in White Bay alone, in, in 13 days, we've put 65 man hours into it, um, all free of charge, people giving up their time voluntarily. We want to keep doing it. We want to make Cork as, 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 you know, as presentable so, as the best it can be. Ballynamona.org and all the instructions on how to donate are there. Absolutely, on the homepage. You can do a once-off donation or you can do a, a recurring monthly donation. And and look, join us on the journey because we, we also have some other exciting news coming up and we'll, we'll tell you that in good time. All right, OK, we're done for now. Uh, thank you for that, you understand. We're, we're tight on time, but that's Prunchius Otuma from Ballynamona.org. They're looking for funds and they're all collecting. But please do not put cotton buds down.
the loo. You're number one, you're number two, and the paper. And that's all that should ever go down the loo. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Just at the back of that story about people dumping things, I don't know when this was written, but I've often talked before about the lovely display of teddies out at the dump. And I was out there Saturday. At this stage, I'm out there so often, I should nearly have my own skip. But I was out there, and they've more and more and more and more and more teddies. And they're setting them up now in little picnic areas. It's just brilliant out there. And Liz Dunphy wrote a piece in The Examiner a little while back with a lovely photograph. And we often talked about him before. The fellow with the peak cap who takes your 20 quid. His name was Finbar Sheehan, and there he is with a Tasmanian... No, that's a Scooby-Doo he's got. And his pal Paul Walsh is next to him with a beautiful tiger. And in the back of that picture is a Tasmanian devil that I'm almost certain came from my house. It's a lovely piece in the examiner. And they're giving out copies of it when you go to, to give them your stuff. And it's brilliant. And there are thousands of them out there now, of the teddy bears. They started taking them in when charities would no longer accept used teddy bears. So they take them in and they clean them up a little bit and they hang them up on the fence and around the entrance and it just looks fabulous. And if a child, I think this is lovely, if a child wants a bear, they can have the bear provided the mom and dad promise to wash the bear thoroughly beforehand. It's lovely. It really, really is lovely. And it brightens up your day if you go to Tomorrow Valley Amenity Centre there to do your bit of dumping. You cannot walk down that passage or drive down that passage and not have a smile as wide as Patrick Street going down there. It's really lovely and nice to see it recognised. I've been remarking on it for a while. 1850-715-996. Okay, I want to go to the UK and I'm not going to talk to Marion about the rights and wrongs of what Boris is doing because I wouldn't expect an ordinary business person to um, comment on the public health decisions of a government. But Marion Healy from Cork runs a chain of 23 pubs across the UK called the Healy Group. Marion, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Lovely to talk to you. I suppose business will welcome the announcement yesterday. Yes. um, For a business, yes, it is uh, good for us because obviously the restrictions, especially during the, the Euros, uh, it's very, very hard for the managers to to conform to get the customers to conform because they obviously there was a, ever there was any um, gold goes in or something they're all jumping they're uh, standing up they haven't got their mask and it's very hard for the managers to to keep them sitting down mm. um, so that's good uh, mm. in one sense I personally will still. Um, wear the mask going into 
uh, shops and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people going to do that. Yeah. Uh, but for the business, yes, the distancing and, you know, we've all that, that in, in place. And I think a lot of our managers now will still do the, um, the table service because that has been uh, good because mm. they will be constant, con- you know, around the, the counter. Um, oh, oh, is counter service that. allowed now again, it is? Uh, yeah, that okay. that will be. Yeah, they can, they can do it. But it's up to, to us, uh, the managers. And some of them are saying that they would rather have the table service because there won't be people congregating around the counter. Yeah. Um, as they do. It's a very continental European thing to do anyway. I don't ever remember, very rarely anyway, sitting sitting at a at a pub counter, say, in Spain. You, you sit down and they bring, the drink, bring your drink to you. That's right. I mean, obviously, um, for, for the labour side of it, you know, there, there's more more people trying to, you know, more employees uh, coming mm-hmm. to the, the tables and that. And that's the, the challenge we have now, is trying to get people um, to get into the hospitality. Um, it's all over the country and every country, I think, trying to get people back to work, and especially in the hospitality Marion, how are your staff feeling about this? I imagine most of them would be young. Have they had an opportunity to get vaccinated yet? Yes, um, there is. Right, so I think everyone um, in our family um, over 18 is now all vaccinated, all the managers are, um, and anybody above 18 can walk in now to these um, units and, and get them done. So they are going... That is giving us a lot of... Um, and is there a waiting time for that? Sorry to cut across you. Is there a, if you... No? Will, no? no, no. Last weekend, they were um, encouraging the, the over 18s to just walk in to, to the vaccine centres. Right. And it was happening around us and in London, and they're opening up more and more. And so I think we, we have a lot of... Can you hear me? I can, indeed, yes. You can see, yeah, I thought that you were gone there. Um, I'm listening. No, so that, that's, that's why he's he's taking the restrict um, um, out, you know, because and I suppose the vaccine is our is our way out of it. Um, but of course, you still have to be um, mindful that uh, a lot of people have lost people through this, this yes. thing with, with COVID, especially my my lovely brother, you know? Yes, And um, that keeps come back, and it's come back to anybody that has lost loved ones. Yes. Um, but the numbers are going going up and up and up, as you probably see it over there as well. Um, but it's not impacting on the, on the hospital. What's so the mood it. among the business community, Marion? Are they, well, like, what were the morning radio shows, the morning TV shows saying? What's the business sector in general thinking? Oh, they just want to open it, really. They, they you know, we have, the, you know, in, in, as, as a business, even for the, the people, our managers, now, mentally, they need to be to be open. They want to be going back to where it was. It never will be because we will have to, as he said yesterday himself, that we have to live with this. And that's that's. Uh, but the, the 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 business has to 
has to open up and, and trust on people that they will do the right thing. Yeah. And that is the and thing. He's asking people to exercise caution and exercise their responsibility. Now, you deal with the public, you and your 20-something pubs deal with the public day in, day out. Do, do you think, Marion, that they will exercise the responsibility? I think they will. Uh, and the surprising one is that the younger ones are. I mean, I don't go in very much to to our pubs um, because that's what I choose to do. But when I do, um, they are, you know, they're wearing their masks and they're taking the distance and, and all of that. Obviously, you'll always get um, the, the older ones, actually, are the ones that don't want to uh, conform, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, why are we doing this? You know, why do we have to do this? Yeah. Um, but they want, you know, when you when you see the 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 groups of of the elderly, you know, that they they are friends. You know, going to the pub is such a big thing, and I know that is in Ireland as well. Ah, quiet point um, in the afternoon when you're retired. Yeah. is one of the yeah. great luxuries of life. Absolutely. And families, of course, to meet as well. Yeah. You know, the now, the health minister over there this morning, I don't know if you heard it, he was warning that cases are going to surge. Does that worry people yeah. at all? It, it will, but I think that they're, we're depending that the vaccines um, is going to protect us. Yes. And um, we are hoping that is. I mean, so far, it, there was nine deaths yesterday. Um, and if you go back to January, oh, it was just... So we have to have the security that that, that will continue and that we get them again in October. So, um, mm. but again, there will be people die, but that's the awful thing about it. Um, so we're just hoping that we still have the thing like that we have to look after the pubs that if there's an, uh, the ch- t- a test and trace will still go on. Right. And so if we told that there is an, umbra, uh, an outbreak in any of the pubs, then we'll have to go in and close it for a couple of days and do the fogging, as I said in the, in the very beginning, the lockdown where you go in and sanitise it and everything else. Mm. And, uh, so if a case if a case happens to be tracked back to a pub, it has to close yeah. for a number of... Oh, I see. We choose to. Oh, we you choose, choose to. to. Okay. Yeah, we do because you're you're leaving open to the public and to the managers and to the the staff. You know, so you have to. We we do have to do it really, okay. and the sanitizers I think will still be there for people to use them. Yeah. And um, and 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 I, I would and and I think a lot of people will, but you see. PJ, when you see the, the televisions, uh, and I'm sure you saw them, and um, people jumping and, you know, it's very hard to start that. And when you have the the Euros in Wembley, and we are doing all the restrictions, and then, <laughs> you know, they're, they're yes. there hugging and all of that. It's very hard then Jeez. to try to tell Joe Blog that, you know, that that's... That, you have to do these restrictions. Yeah, so it would be easier for us. Yeah. But that's not to say that we're just going to go wild with it. Yeah, yeah. They're putting a lot of weight in the personal responsibility mm. thing and you have to just hope that that will work out. From yeah. a business point of view, as a business person, 
this should surely make a difference to you. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. But it's a hard thing to say, but, the, the, you know, the COVID was very good to us in one sense, oh. with, because now we have outside areas that we would never have done yes. only this happening. But, of course, the, the flip side of it and is... And do you think people will leave way. those outside areas there, Marion? Yes. Oh, God, yeah, because we have invested in them, mm. you know? There's outside televisions, there's outside uh, the marquees, um, and they're up to... And, and it's a space that we never knew we, we could use, yeah. you know? So it, that has... Uh, you know, it's like in, in, in Europe, when you, go, when you go out, it's all outside, um, but of course, the weather is not great so either. Better, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think it, it's it's good, um, but it's the sadness, the the sadness that goes with it. Indeed. And you Indeed. know, people did lost people seeing now that you know we're opening up and all of that. And why did this happen to us? You know, yeah. that's the hard bit. I really I hope, Marion, that when we talk the next time. And obviously, yeah. when we talk, I hope it will be face to face when you're back in Cork because I haven't seen you for so many years. Oh, yes. But, but we really, really will be hoping that the Boris plan somehow worked and that we can yeah, learn from I, it over here. That would be the hope, wouldn't it? I don't even know whether I can go to Ireland or not. I, I, I'm confused by it. <laughs> I don't know whether I have to quarantine over there. Are here. Yeah. I have the two jobs we all have. Well, we're confused I, ourselves. I don't know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I just don't know what you currently to have to isolate. Fergal, Fergal is the great knowledge of all these things. You, you currently have to do five days isolation, and then have a PCR at that stage. And if it's negative, then you're you're out the gap. Right. Okay. Even though I have the jabs now and yes. everything, but I think that may change after the nineteenth. May change, and you don't have to quarantine on your return then. But to be all right to, to quarantine in Cork, wouldn't it? Yeah. I can but think of worse places. <laughs> Marion, lovely to speak with you, and good luck with whatever happens uh, as and from the 19th. That's Marion Healy uh, from the Healy Group pubs in the UK. And she referred to losing her beloved brother. Um, her beloved brother was a, a dear colleague and friend of both myself and Fergal. Um, that is the sister of the late, great and much missed Ted Dunn. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Now, John thinks with regard to the situation in the UK that letting people live their lives is never the wrong thing. And look, I spoke to Marion as a businesswoman, so that's the, the side of, of the... Obviously, as a businesswoman, she's going to welcome it. I can imagine if they had moved here to open up, then the business people would be welcoming that. But John says letting people live their lives is never the wrong thing. Mary says there are people I know who are really scared of what's happening in the UK and hoping it won't come here. I think the message of wearing masks should be reinforced. And also people should realise this variant is very infectious 
and needs a good quality mask worn as much as possible. Even the likes of Fair City should be setting a good example on a public service broadcaster like RTE and showing people removing the mask only when eating and not waiting for food to arrive. Actually, did I see rice? Because I don't watch Fair City. Uh, Not habitually anyway. If it's on, I won't turn it off, but I won't turn it on in the first place kind of thing. Did I see them drinking and eating indoors? Last week or the week before? Are they having pints in in the pub? Are they eating in the cafe? Like, that's kind of going against what's happening in the real world. I thought soap was supposed to reflect the real world. Interesting. Who's writing the script? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't see it. But I thought I saw people having pints inside in Fair City. Uh, Referring to Professor Perry... Uh, Professor Ivan Perry. Uh, well done, PJ. Another zero COVID person on today. COVID is nothing now but a bad cold. Ah, uh, yeah. Imagine if we did the daily figures for those misfortunates suffering from mental illness. It would be a multiple of our worst day ever with COVID. Well done to Boris. Well, the minute you start telling me it's nothing more than a bad cold, then you've lost your argument. Sorry, dude. Whoever you are. Jer, you see the vaccines. And look, we said we'd keep tabs on Stephen Donnelly's pledge to get everybody in waiting for their second jab in the particularly in the vulnerable cohorts. We'd we'd hold him to his to his pledge. Uh Jer was on. Just wondering if any of your listeners are waiting for their second jab in Parky Cueve. My wife and I both got our first on the same day, but d- different venues. City Hall for my wife and me for Parky Cueve. She has now received her second after four weeks. I am still waiting for my text. There is a number on your vaccine text. Maybe you can throw it on the screen there again. We'll, um, we'll read it out for people. Yeah, on the Fair City thing, it'll be due to limited locations to film in. The cafe set would be quite large, so they probably can do that. It meets their health and safety protocols for filming with multiple characters. Yes, that is true. In fact, one of my favourite shows, in fact, I was, if I was to choose an all-time favourite television show, it would probably be Casualty on the BBC. And when they introduce the episode now, every week, they say they'd be... As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before or afterwards, that it was filmed using uh, COVID-applicable uh, precautions. So, yeah, that, that, that's maybe what's happening with, with Fair City. I don't know if they're announcing it. They possibly should possibly should be. The helpline, if you're still waiting on a second jab and think you should have had a date by now, 1-800-700-700. 1-800-700-700 for the inquiries to do with the second jab. Because let, let us remind ourselves again, and I, 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 I'm, I'm not hoping that he fails, I'm hoping in fact that he succeeds. Let us remind ourselves of what Stephen Donnelly said with regard to those vulnerable people waiting on a second dose, particularly people in the 60 to 69 age group, which would be a lot of listeners' parents, say, are, they are waiting, many of them, for the second jab. You have a bizarre situation where you have listeners in their 30s and 40s whose parents in their mid to late 60s have not had their second dose, and people in their 40s have had their second dose. Bizarre situation, and many of those people would be in the, what they call the immunocompromised or immunosuppressed sectors. Let us remind ourselves again of what Stephen Donnelly said on RTE's Morning Ireland programme about those people last Friday. We are accelerating the end of dose two for AstraZeneca for 60 to 69, but also for all of the other cohorts who've had their first dose of AstraZeneca. In about the next 10 or 11 days... Everyone who has had their first dose of AstraZeneca, if they haven't already have, had it, will, will have their second dose of AstraZeneca. So approximately 12th of July, you hope, them have to, uh, hope to have them all done. The, the original target was the 19th. That's right. It? Yeah, we're, mo- we're, we're, we're moving it forward. And again, we can do this because the NIAC advice has changed. Okay, so he is, we reckon by about the 12th or the 14th of July, 14th of July, Bastille Day, as it were, we'd hope that you know, all those people would have been taken care of. We'll just monitor the situation. Caller says, we still have no checks on the border. And it's very easy to fly or sail into the north and cross the border. If they're looking at 100,000 cases a day, we're going to get swamped. We may as well give up unless we close the NI border. Well, that is never going to happen. You can have your own view on that. That's never going to happen. And they didn't really go to any great effort to police it properly either even though there were public health experts on both sides of the border offering to work together, offering to declare it a public health district, offering to put a buffer zone around it, or said, we can do that if that's what you want to do. Far more contentious borders, far more contentious borders. Remember, we didn't invent them. Far more contentious borders over the world have had public health campaigns carry on around them in the middle of a war. It it can be done. If you, I never looked at that, that that particular horse has bolted. That train has left the station. You would hope that people crossing the border now would be fully vaccinated. They've got a very high vaccination rate north of the border. We are getting there, uh, south of the border. You would hope that people would would be all vaccinated going up and down. Can't guarantee it, but you'd certainly hope for it. And also, they're not following the England plan. Uh, there was a statement, was it this morning, early or late last night, Stormont has to decide 
what's happening in the north. Now, they do have indoor dining and they do have indoor drinking and they have a lot less restrictions left up there than we have down here. But they're not going with the full reopening on the 19th. At least not not yet, not as yet. Uh, on the soaps, Coronation Street, in the pub, I noticed they come in the front door and they go out the back door to avoid COVID. Now, all of a sudden, they seem to be going in and, and out the main door. Funny how television is supposed to reflect real life. And then we notice when it doesn't. That number again, if you are concerned that you haven't had your second dose of vaccine yet, uh, the little card that you got has this number, or the text message you got, rather, has this number on it. And the card will give them all the other details, but call them at 1800 700 700. 1800 700 700 if you still haven't gotten uh, your appointment for your second jab. Now, we know it's coming up later in the year at the airport. It's to close in the autumn time for seven to ten weeks to do up the runway. Ten weeks is the projected time of full closure at the airport. We discussed it earlier in the year when we heard it was coming, then it was confirmed it was coming, and the airport will close for ten weeks in the autumn time, which obviously has implications for an awful lot of workers. Uh, Mick Barry, Solidarity TD, is taking up the cudgels on behalf of those workers. Mick, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you doing? Where is this standing now? Okay, well, the airport is due to close September 12th to November 22. So that's the 10 weeks. Um, There are a range of... Uh, employment at the airport. Aer Lingus is obviously the biggest, but there are others uh, like OCS and Swissport. Mm. Um, the Aer Lingus position uh, is uh, that the workers will be taken off the books for the 10 weeks and put on temporary layoff. Uh, and there are signs that other airport employers will take a similar approach. Mm. Uh, and I think that this is wrong, and it's particularly wrong at a time when these employers are receiving bucket loads of state cash, I can go through the details with you if you want, um, to keep the companies afloat, but in particular with the EWSS, to keep workers in employment uh, and on the books. And it seems to me Does that pay the full salary? Pays um, the bulk of the salary. It doesn't pay... Uh, 100%. In some cases, it would pay all bar about €50. So essentially, the the big majority of the wage costs there are being covered by the taxpayer with the explicit aim uh, of keeping workers on the books. And for companies to be taking this money and at the same time planning to put hundreds of workers off the books into a layoff situation, albeit temporary, in September... Uh, is wrong and something, in my view, needs to be done about that. Now, we would hope that the situation across the state by the middle of September would be that there'd be enough people vaccinated that we would be able to get more people back to work, get more of the society open, and that the EWSS wouldn't have to be paid at all. So you want to extend it for the airport workers? No, I don't. Um, the chief executive uh, officer of uh, Aer Lingus was before the Oireachtas Transport Committee a fortnight ago. Uh, and she made the point that, look, 
we had to go for a temporary layoff because at the time uh, it wasn't clear what the position was going to be with the employment wage subsidy scheme. Mm. Uh, but since that time, it has become very clear uh, the EWSS is being kept in place by the state until the, the 31st of December. And let's go back to our original timelines that we talked about at the start. The runway repairs are due to be completed mm. by, in the month of November. So in other words, the EWSS will cover Aer Lingus for the, uh, and Cork Airport uh, for the duration, the entire duration yeah. of, the, of the runway repairs. And therefore, there's no excuse uh, for taking workers well, off the books. Isn't the EWSS, Mick, isn't it there to assist businesses who were closed as a result of COVID, their employers don't actually have work because their businesses are closed because of COVID. That's what it was put there for. It wasn't put there to facilitate a closure of the airport. Because that's not down to COVID. That's down to a runway repair. Yeah, but the runway repair is being done at this particular time because of the situation that pertains in the country with COVID, etc. Well, no, it was being done anyway. Perhaps not by day, but it was being done anyway. It was being done anyway, but I think that these particular dates uh, have been chosen with that in mind. And it's also the case that at the same time as the hundreds of workers in Cork are due to be laid off and taken off the books, that the company will continue to be in receipt uh, on a national basis. Uh, of the EWSS, right? Well, that would be for its other for its other employees who are off because of COVID. Yes, that's true. But, but these th- workers won't be off because of COVID. You see, Mick, that's the thing. Yeah, that is that is a a, a point that can be argued. But I, I think that it is more than counterbalanced by the fact uh, that the sums of money that the employers in the airport uh, would be paying workers from their own pockets as opposed to the EWS state money, for the duration of those 10 weeks, uh, would be very much on the low side, right? Mm. Uh, And there are uh, real and genuine concerns on the part of the workforce. But although although their terms and conditions cannot be unilaterally changed legally while they're on layoff, that in reality they're in a far more vulnerable position when it comes to downward pressure on on that condition. Now, you talk about state funds through the EWSS and, and let's let's stop using the word state, shall we? Because that is taxpayers' money, Mick. So do you, think, money. do you think the taxpayer would be happy to extend for the 10 weeks that you're talking about? Well, Do you think the taxpayers of Cork would, would, would be happy to, to, to do what you're doing? Or to, to get done what you want done? Okay, my opinion is that there are obviously tens of thousands of taxpayers and more in Cork. Some would be in favour, some would be against, but I think a majority, and a big enough majority, I think, would say uh, that it's fair uh, that the EWSS and taxpayers' money, yes, uh, would be used to keep those workers on the books in employment rather than to break uh, their employment. And uh, a point I'd like to register here... Hang on, can it not be put in writing to them and that their unions would 
would work to do this? Can it not be put in writing to them that at the end of this 10 weeks they will get their jobs back, they will get their T's and C's back and there'll be no alterations? Surely that can be agreed between the company and a union. Yeah, uh, potentially that could be done. However, uh, I I think that there is a a live situation in Aer Lingus and a live situation uh, in other uh, airport employments uh, where companies are trying to apply downward pressure on wages and conditions. Sure, For but example, if you hammer out a deal with the union before this happens, then that doesn't happen. It's up to unions to get in there and bang tables creatively. That's what you pay a union sub for as a worker, Mick. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the better arrangement uh, by some distance is to say this is a period of 10 weeks Workers have been kept on the books over what at that stage would be 16 months. So you want, the, you want the state to intervene to prevent the union from having to do its job? Well, they're your words, PJ. That's, that's how it's interpreted, Mick. You want the state to intervene with, with taxpayers' money rather than give an opportunity for the unions to do their job. I want uh, workers who have been kept on the books through 16 months of a pandemic, and by the way, who have made uh, not... Enormous sacrifices, absolutely. Enormous enormous sacrifices to their wages. That goes without saying, yes. Their families, their stress levels, etc. To be told, look, there's essential runway repairs being done. It overlaps uh, with with the pandemic. Uh, uh, You are being kept on the books for the period of those... 10 weeks. And I also would like to make this point. Um, the airport is in the same constituency as the Taoiseach and two senior government yep. ministers, yep. Simon Coveney and Michael McGrath. And I think airport workers and their families, uh, trade unionists and people who support fair play for workers, right, would like to see the government who are due to meet the unions this week come out and clearly say to Aer Lingus and the other airport employees, look, the state is keeping you afloat with large amounts of cash. Keep these workers on the books. Do you think it'll happen? It's a modest ask. Do you think it'll happen? I think they're under a degree of pressure to make it happen. There are a lot of airport workers, a lot of families uh, uh, there, but I think it's important that public representatives speak out strongly on this issue and put the government under pressure because what the government wants, you see, is they want, they're looking at the, 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 the break for the, for the summer recess for the doll and being out the gap. And it's important that the pressure is applied this week and next week okay. so that a deal is hammered out before then. All right, Nick, we'll see where it goes. That's Mick Barry, a Solidarity TD for Cork North Central, 1850 Where it'll go? Look, I don't want anybody to lose their job up there. But what I would like to see... If I were working in the airport, I would like to see my union sitting down, putting something in writing for me to guarantee my terms and conditions at the end of that 10 weeks. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Yesterday morning on The Opinion Line, we had an interesting conversation about breastfeeding. It began... We were just reflecting a story in the news about a bid by the children's minister, Roderick O'Gorman, to give 
breastfeeding mothers the right to breastfeed in the workplace or that their workplace would assist them with breastfeeding for two years. And we took various views on it and then we threw it open to you and there was two and four and there was anti and pro going on. And we got some stories from Australia and some stories from Germany as to why the hell are we not doing it years ago because the rest of the world is doing it years ago. In the middle of that we got this uh, comment it uh, came in the form of an email. I had my first child. My mother implored me not to breastfeed, but it was something I wanted to do. I gave birth in Hollis Street in Dublin. I was treated like a queen. When I breastfed, it came naturally to me, and I was so delighted because some, some girls had a very hard time, the poor things. But I was told to breastfeed in the toilet, and I was often shown out of some places over breastfeeding. I don't agree you should be able to breastfeed everywhere, though. I see people breastfeeding in a church at family events. I don't think that's appropriate. I don't know what I'd feel about doing it at work. Maybe it's time for things to change, but I personally don't feel comfortable. I want to finish. I, I wish this was signed. I wish this person gave their name. I want to finish on some bad news for the girls. You hear a lot that you lose weight. You don't. The first couple of days, there's a contraction of the womb, and it helps you figure a bit. But don't get your hopes up too much. There's no loss of actual kilos. Not for me anyway, or for anybody I know, due to breastfeeding. We also had a call, uh, or a comment from, from Aideen. Hi, Aideen. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi. Now, you, you did breastfeed all your kids, yeah? I did, all um, three of them. How would you feel about the workplace arrangements? Um, look, PJ, to be honest with you, I think there's so much going on with this. It's unreal. Like, you're saying, or not you personally, like, but it's being said that breastfeeding mothers should be allowed to take these extra breaks and get paid for it because they've decided, they've made a choice to feed their children. Now, I'm all for breastfeeding. I think it's fantastic and I think it should be encouraged more. But I don't think that an employer should be forced into paying for less work. I also don't see how that bears fair in a workplace with, with men or with women who can't breastfeed or with women who aren't having children. Why should I work the same hours as somebody who's just had a baby whose choice it is to breastfeed? Mm. But doesn't an all-inclusive workplace just lead to better productivity? And we're over 18. This is happening all over the world. It's not like it was invented here. No, it wasn't invented here, but like there's there's world struggles there about, you know, equal pay. But you're not doing the same work as me. Right. Why should you get the same pay as me? You're not working the hours I'm working, but you're still getting paid the same as me. Right, right. Because you made a choice. A good choice. One that I support, but I don't think you should be paid for it. Why right. should you? Can I change my diet? and insist on these breaks and be paid for them? Mm-hmm. Will that go down okay? Can any man do it? If the baby is in a crash in an office space downstairs where the man is working, is he allowed to take those breaks to go down and feed his baby? Mm-hmm. He's a dad. He's a parent. Yeah. We, we, we do know the importance of those first few months, though, and, and everyone is being told now breastfeeding is the, is the best thing to do. And we have a internationally quite a low instance of it here and maybe it's not helped by the situation at work. 
like I said, I am all for breastfeeding. Mm. I breastfed all my ch- all my children up to six or seven months old. And did sorry, did, did you go back to work in between? I in between the children, yes, but I was at home for the majority of the time that I was feeding them. So, so you wouldn't now, have been feeding them and working at the same time, no? I worked around it. I, I was fortunate enough that the family had their own business, so I was able to keep my own hours and duck out when I needed to. But I wasn't paid for it. When I wasn't at work, I wasn't paid. Mm. When you go to work, you go to work. These are the hours that you're given. These are your paid breaks. These are your legal, lawful right breaks. Yeah. And that's that. If you choose to express your milk in those breaks, or brilliant, fantastic. But you are, it's suggesting that like two hours out of a work day, that's a lot of hours a week. It's a hell of a lot of hours a month where you're not going to be working. I'm working and you're being paid for the same hours as me. Mm. All because I've already had my children. Or I can't, or a, a, a poor, like if you have two women in a situation where one of them has chosen to breastfeed for the two years, like the WHO has suggested. Yeah. And you have another lady who can't breastfeed. Not that she doesn't want to, not that she hasn't made a choice. Yeah. She actually can't do it. Okay. And she gets to sit there and watch you take your paid break for something she can't do. Okay. Okay. Aideen, thank you very much for your call to the opinion. It's an, look, it's only a proposal. Thanks, Aideen. It is only a proposal at this stage that Roderick O'Gorman has put on the table for this two years and I'm sure there's plenty more discussion in it and whether it'll happen or not um, we'll see. We're happy to come back to it. I just wanted the last couple of days to to give people a platform for the many and varying views that we have. So I'm glad we've heard a lot about it and you know the phone number if you have more to add. 1850 715 Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. One thing about the weather not playing ball with us this couple of days. It is due to come back on side towards the back of the weekend and into next week. I think we're being promised some pretty good July weather for next week. But one of the advantages of it being just a small little bit off this week is a chance to sit down without feeling guilty and watch Wimbledon. I feel terrible sitting in watching tennis on the television when it's lovely outside. I purchased it and read a book. But I felt so sorry last night for that wonderful, wonderful young kid, uh, Emma Raducanu, the British youngster. Well, her dad is Romanian. Fascinating story. She was born in Toronto. Her dad is Romanian. Her mom is Chinese. They both work in high finance. And when she was two... They both moved with their jobs to the financial district in London and she started playing tennis when she was not even five, I think five or six, she started 
playing tennis. It was so sad to see her having to withdraw last night through injury because she's been absolutely brilliant. And of course, because she's a British entry, BBC have been showing all of her matches. She got a wild card. She only finished her A-levels the other week. She got a wild card to Wimbledon. They expect that she'd get bounced out in the for, for first round and sure she almost got into the quarterfinals and only for injury and it was obvious there was something up with her during the first set last night and uh, you know, know where she we'll see her again and she's a she's a pro, she, the, the last and I look I, the only real big tennis tournament that I watch is Wimbledon I just love it but you can see the talent the best talent in the world is displayed in Wimbledon and the last time I saw a teenager that exciting running around the courts in Wimbledon was a young man called Boris Becker which isn't today nor yesterday she's brilliant she's great and she'll be back great and so sad to see her going out last night 1850 715996 thanks to Kevin for sending this in Kevin for family reasons has been over and back to the UK quite a bit recently and he sent us I think it's a text message that he got uh, it reads government.ie public health advice travel from Great Britain you're required to quarantine at home for 14 days the home quarantine period can be shortened if you get a negative PCR test in no less than 5 days after arrival testing is free when exchanged or arranged through the HSE if you're not vaccinated if you're not vaccinated due to concerns about the Delta variant you're requested to remain in home quarantine and seek another test at least 10 days after arrival the 10-day test can be obtained at a walk-in centre. The testing is free when you're coming back from the UK. So currently, if you're fully vaccinated, you must isolate for at least five days and then get tested. It's free. If you're not double vaccinated, you've got to do that another one after 10 days. Whether they'll keep that up, who knows? But that's the arrangement. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Kevin. That that pretty much clears it. Um. Cork Airport, Paul says, I normally agree with Mick, but he's blowing a trumpet with no air. Cork Airport should have closed during the summer with no passengers passing through. And PJ, Jerry Bottomer is very quiet about the Cork Airport workers. He's usually first on the radio when it comes to Cork Airport, trying to regain some respect from the Cork people after Golfgate. Okay. 1850-715-996. They read a report recently, the Free Legal Advice Centres said there'd been a 14% increase in family law queries in 2020. And almost half of them related to separation and divorce. So it looks like divorce and upswing in the number of divorces and separations could be another consequence of the pandemic. Melanie Murphy is Ireland's first certified divorce coach. There's an accreditation for life life coaches, there's an accreditation in the US to be a certified divorce coach. So, Melanie Murphy is Ireland's first divorce coach, operates a, we- a website, divorcecoachingireland.com, and she joins me. Melanie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's an interesting uh, statistic, isn't it? That, that huge increase in the number of applications around separation and uh, inquiries around separation and divorce. What do you think is the cause of it? It's an unfortunate uh, number, yes, and I'm hoping people will use this time over the summer to work on their relationships and come back together. Um, I, I'd say uh, there's this fight-or-flight response that people naturally have as part 
of, of the COVID situation. And it's getting a lot of people to reevaluate uh, their life and their lifestyles. So lifestyles that they accepted beforehand, they're now having second opinions about that. And that includes their family life. So little cracks that were in the relationship became greater chasms as they were there. Mm. They see each other day to day instead of passing ships with their work and family life. Um, Any extramarital affairs that might have been happening kind of came to light a little bit more easily. So there's a lot of different factors. There's also where a lot of people were able to put some money aside. Other people had much more difficult financial issues during the COVID and and finances are always a big issue in relationships anyway. You, You kind of had no choice but to get to know each other better during 2020. Like you say, people who generally pass a couple of times during the day, spend some time together in the evening or at the weekends or whatever, but in general, they just get on with things. The relationship was forced to be closer during 2020. And a lot of people discovered things about the relationship that they didn't like very much. They did. And you'll also find this later in life when you you call it empty nest syndrome, when the children leave uh, and move on and the couples are there again, looking at each other going, okay, our lives have changed now maybe our values need to be reviewed one more time and we need to look at where do we want to move together and where are we different and can we allow each other some space to be different as long as we have some similar values on family life now if unfortunately at the end of that thinking process if you want some people will say okay we've had enough time to move on that's where someone like you comes in yeah so i will always advocate for people to go to see a relationship counsellor first and try to keep the relationship together, obviously. Um, divorce and separation is not a fun time and it can take anywhere from one year if you get on well and know what to and mediate through it to up to four years because you have the whole year of mediation, negotiations and trying to get a court date. Then you have to be separated two years before you can divorce and maybe have to rework all of that one more time if it's an aggravated divorce. And then it takes a couple of years to recover financially after that mm-hmm. um, to kind of get your career on track to pay for two households. Yeah. So it's a long time. Um, and depending on how aggressive or how conflicting the divorce is, there can be a lot of mental health issues during that time. People experience post-traumatic stress after, you know, when they've been in this uh, stressful situation for a long period of time. And even after the divorce is over, uh, they release that stress and uh, they can fall into a depression after that time. So mm. there's a lot that of support that people need, both through the mental health and emotional piece, through learning how to co-parent their children, how to manage the children who are also going through all those emotions, um, the family and friends and their impact, and also the finances as well. So we, we help them through all of that to try to make it as easy as possible, to avoid the conflict where possible and and just get it, through uh, faster, easier, and mm. maybe with less financial issues at the end. Because I think we might forget how long it actually takes to get divorced in this country. It's it's not like you can do it on a whim. Exactly, yes. And, and at the moment, the courts are inundated. So you, you, depending on where you are in the country, it can take about a year and a half to even get a court date at the moment. Um, even as you're saying, the, the, the flack, the free legal advice centres are uh, inundated with calls and just to even try and get... Uh, free legal advice can take months and months. Mm. So there are... And you still have to show that you're living apart for two years, isn't that right? 
You do, yeah. It's reduced from four to two. And there, there are pros and cons to that because when you're first going through divorce, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of, there's what's called the grief process. So in the same way as losing a close family member, you go through that, the denial, the anger, the bargaining to try and get back together, the depression before you actually accept. You can mm-hmm. go over and back between those um, so it can it can take a long time to, to get through all of that. Yeah. Like what kind of advice, if anyone's listening right now, and they can go to your website, I, I, I imagine, but if anyone's listening right now and are having that conversation with themselves or thinking about, you know, the state of their relationship, what would be the first thing you'd recommend them to do? Well, I'd definitely recommend for them to reach out and get help, try and find a good relationship counsellor. And you might have to go through a couple before you find one that you both... Um, agree with that unless you're in um, uh, unless you're in a conflicting uh, separation or uh, a, a, a relationship that might be aggressive um, in that situation I would certainly uh, advocate to get the support you need mm. for if it's an abusive type of relationship because going to a mediator or a counselor is never usually going to be in your favor if one person has got you under their thumb. Mm. So I would certainly get help from women's aid or men's aid in those sort of situations. But if you if you have gotten the help you need, I, I see so many relationships that look like they're really going to you know, break up, go through that right relationship counseling and get the help and, and that they do okay afterwards. But if you do have to, uh, if you are thinking of going down those lines, uh, certainly look at your finances because once you're separated or divorced, it's much more difficult to get uh, to get uh, loans, to get mortgages. So go through and look at your budgets and see, okay, how are we going to be able to afford two family homes? What mm. would we do? And kind of go through that part too. Mm. Which is much better if you get on with each other on a on even a, a, a basic level. Yeah. You know, if if the relationship is is gone completely, that can be very hard to sort that out. It's very hard to sort that out. If you can at least come together and agree to talk, if you have any children, to agree what you're going to say to the children uh, together. Try to stay away from, I mean, you're going to have to deal with this person, especially if you have children, uh, for a long time in the future. So if you can um, try to stay away, always take the high road. Try not to put the other person down, try not to say anything negative about them in front of the children. It's going to be extremely hard, especially if they're doing terrible things on the side. Mm. But uh, in the end, the children want to love both parents. Mm. They want to be loved by both parents. How, so how important is it, Melanie, down. to remember that, you know, children should not be exposed to adult crises. And it is yeah. so important, no matter, no matter how you feel about one another, you know, the chances are most of the time you both love your children. So you yes. need to protect them from this stuff. Yes, I always say it, there's no magic bullish in divorce, but the ma- major piece that you can do is to put your sen- your children at the center of the divorce and agree everything around that. So leave your ego at the door and make all the decisions around what's best for your children. And that includes as little change as possible, trying to keep their routine as much the same as possible. And, you know, children have big ears. They can hear a lot. They know what's going on more than what you realize. So try to have those conversations outside of the house, away from them. Even if you're talking to family and friends, you won't realize that you're downstairs or upstairs. They can still hear what you're saying about the other spouse or the other partner. They also pick up on on tensions in in voices and things like that. 
something that happens from time to time. I heard of this happening in, uh, shall we say, my own very distant circle, where a company or a company, a couple, thought, right, they were headed for divorce court. Everything was going to be as amicable as possible. And then about a year into it, they realised, hold on, this is a mistake. We need to try again. Mm-hmm. Does that happen very often? It does happen. Um, a lot of couples might go down the mediation piece. Um, they might have agreed on, on most of the items, but there's usually one or two that causes an issue and things can then fall apart. Uh, the court likes to see that you've at least tried to mediate and come together. Um, but sometimes, and it can be that uh, a family member, uh, a friend, or maybe another side relationship comes into the picture and starts causing issues. Sometimes, um, like most lawyers will, will be on your side, but some lawyers will try to cause issues to, to create that distance you know, for their own purposes. Mm. So this is why you have to be very careful about what lawyer you go with as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just, that, that's just going to increase your costs. And, and costs can be up to 20000 plus <laughs> for, and then that's why it takes a while to recover from it. Yeah. If you're going to go for a high-conflict divorce, like a, a, separ- uh, a judicial separation, for example. Okay. Now, you have your own website, which is divorcecoachingireland.com, but you're also teaching now as well. You te- you're, you want to train more people as divorce, divorce coaches. That's right. So I, I've been a, a life and executive and finance coach for many, many years. Uh, and then because I went through my own separation and divorce, unfortunately, a high conflict divorce, which is why I advocate not to go through that as much as possible. Um, I, I did the, the divorce coaching accreditation. Uh, in the States. I am actually Irish. I just lived in the States and in Canada for, for a while while growing up. Um, so when I moved back to Ireland 20 years ago, uh, I started getting involved in, in coaching. And I found out that there was um, a divorce coaching accreditation in the US. Um, and I was, I was amazed by that because I used my own coaching skills on myself during my divorce and I wanted to help others. Uh, unfortunately, I felt it was very American focused. So myself and another colleague who went through the course and have been mentoring students through it for the last couple of years have set up our own divorce coaching academy um, with the UK and Ireland. Um, so it's over both countries. And what we do is we, we mostly work with the Law Society for further education accreditation, um, as well as the Association of Collaborative Practitioners um, to, to educate people within the Law Society on the benefits of divorce coaching, uh, not necessarily just the lawyers themselves, but also the support staff at those places, as well as people who've been coaches for maybe many years and gone through their own divorce, of mm-hmm. which there are actually quite a few in Ireland, amazingly, um, who want to add this on top of their current coaching skills. So we have, we only do about 30 students a year. So we have 15 students in September, and now we'll be doing another group in January. Okay. Um, and then we support them throughout the whole year and help them set up their business as well. Okay, good to speak with you, Melanie Murphy, Ireland's first uh, accredited divorce coach, but now she's looking to train others at Divorce Coaching Ireland. Dot com eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with Dairy Made Premium Spread one hundred percent natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Weekdays six to nine AM on Corks ninety 96- six.
96FM. Mary, how are you? I'm good. How are you? What, what exactly are you up to? I'm intrigued now. Sure, I drive buses for a living. Oh, brilliant. Who are you driving for? Yeah, bus areas. Okay, so what route are you yeah. on? Uh, Monkstown today for the 2.16. Could everyone nice. say hello to Mary well, on the on the Monkstown route now? Give her give her a nice big smile. Are bus drivers allowed to take tips? No, no I mean, they're greatly appreciated. I don't know where we allow them. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody. Why don't you just let someone roll out of your pocket during the day? The and someone's going to have to pick it up again right there, right? <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at nildc.com. Cork's 96FM. Somebody rang in uh, in response to a comment I made. God, it's nearly two hours ago now, how the morning goes. We're talking to Melanie about... Uh, driver's licenses and trying to get a, a driving test and trying to get her theory test and Melanie's been put back and put back and put back and she's now been put back again from the 19th of July till the middle of September and she was explaining how that affects her life and she made the point that she suffers from anxiety which is part of uh, being on the spectrum, she has Asperger's so she can't go on the bus on her own and in the course of that conversation, I mentioned that there'd be times you'd be nervous on the bus yourself for the best of times. Someone rang in to say, would you ever tell Mr. PJ Coogan that if he is feeling nervous on the bus, he should report this to Ungarda Shikana? Well, first of all, let me tell you, it's very rare that I would. It wouldn't be caused by anything the bus driver was doing or anything to do with the service, because I think the two services that I'm lucky enough to live on the route of are both brilliant and extremely well monitored that's the 216 and the 220 they're both brilliant I've never encountered any trouble on either of them a few oddballs now and again but hey they're everywhere they're in here for goodness sake but I was only making the point oh Jesus I could only make the point anyway Leave it out, leave it out, leave it out. 1850-715-996 story in the news this morning and I kind of read it and then read it again, and then read it a third time. So it looks like we're all going to get, those of us who are fully vaccinated, are going to get a digital COVID certificate. Okay? Proof that we have been doubly vaccinated and we are good to go. Or indeed proof that we have recovered from COVID in the last eight months and we're good to go. Digital COVID certificates. This is the bit I read again and again. They're coming in the post, lads. In the post. Like, what? So you get a digital certificate for international travel, which I assume one would have expected to have on your phone or something like that. They'll be coming in the post. It's also expected that they'll be used to pave the way for the return of indoor dining. That's fine. That's all being talked about at the moment. We had that discussion yesterday with Paul Cribben and, and others. But of 1.8 million of us who have been fully vaccinated already are to get these things in the post in the next few days or week. Mary Jane, were you a bit surprised to read that just like I was? Good morning. Hi, how are you PJ? I was because I was thinking first of all about the poor post people. The po- my poor postman, Tony. I was thinking... He's, you know, they have a lot, a lot to be doing. But the other thing I was thinking about realistically was like, you know, we know we know that um, bureaucracy and and things like that are, are a big problem in this country. And I, I just, 
I can't, I don't know, like, can I see it happening? Will it be effective? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And then the other thing is, um, it's, it, it'll be like when you were 17 trying to get into the crazy horse, like, <laughs> with your passport, your digital passport, your, your your piece of paper. Like, what if you lose it? Or, you know, like, would it be like a fake ID that you'd be bringing your old, your, your pals one with you? Like, I'm not fully vaccinated yet. I've had my first vaccine. Yeah. So um, I'm, I think, about two or three weeks off. My second one, I only had my first one a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yes, I'm that young. <laughs> But um, I um, but I only had my first one a couple of weeks ago, and um, so I'm just kind of I'm wondering where we stand, and I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel like is it a bit? I don't know. I feel it's a bit um, is it a bit Big Brotherish or something? Like you know, what are they going like? How are the restaurateurs going to manage it and stuff like that? Because obviously there there must be people running restaurants that are maybe on the fence about vaccines and stuff like that so it's just it's a it's a really really hard one but it, it does kind of bring me back to the olden days when you'd have to bring your passport out and your handbag with you but my, my just thing is that I'm messy and I'm sloppy and I've got loads of makeup in my bag is it going to be ruined why aren't they doing it in a digital way like do you remember how big the uptake was PJ on the um, on downloading that app you know the COVID app I do yeah like Irish people are are generally very on board with with these kind of things, you know. They were kind of very as a race. I think as a nation, we're quite compliant, like with these kind of things. So I just don't know why they wouldn't, why they couldn't add it to that app, or I don't know. It just seems it seems like it's the. That's the point wrong. that I was looking. At. I there at one point they look. Neffet have said that the only way we can open indoor dining and drinking for the moment is that if it's reserved for, if you like, fully vaccinated people and you have to have some way to prove it, some way that's agreed nationally between all the various players that... that but I, thought, I thought the days of sending it out in the post are, are were long gone. Like. like, yeah, and I think, like, I don't think as well from a longevity point of view that, like... It's a sustained, like you know, you're going like unless they're going to be sending out laminated little cards or something that you can carry around in your wallet. But what happens if, like, it's bad enough trying to find your passport? I mean, have you ever been <laughs> trying to get ready to go on holidays? <laughs> you're looking for your passport, and you're like, "When was I last away? When did I last use it?" You know that kind of way. Yeah, it sounds How like an awful go- Irish way to do something. It does. Like, is there some way that you can put it on a driver's license or a passport? And then not everyone has one of those. So. You know, maybe not everyone has a smartphone, but I just think it's going to be who I feel for in this is I feel for the restaurateurs and stuff that are going to have to try and manage to police this. Like they've all, you know what I mean? They've already been asked to do so much and it's fine. Like a piece of paper, a a QR card on a phone. Okay, not everyone's got a phone, but let's assume a QR card on the phone. It's it's hard to forge that. Yes, it is. But a piece of paper is very easily forged. That's it. And it, you know what? It's, there, it, it's easily forged. I mean, anyone that tried to get a fake ID in the, the 90s will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> we see it as, well, apparently you know the Sunday mean? World had a piece there at the weekend, Fergal is reminding me. They had an article that loads of PCR tests were found to have been forged between here and Spain. 
Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And I was listening to a crime podcast um, from the Sunday World as well. And they were saying on it that um, that it's likely that you'll see kind of, you know, on places like Dundee and stuff, well, maybe Dundee will be able to police it. But, you know, that sort of a thing um, where you'll be able to kind of buy, where you'll be able to buy fake, um, um, you know, fake IDs. vaccination well, proof like yeah, yeah. proof of vaccination and then like you're sort of saying like there has to be I mean you know from a, a personal responsibility point of view and I've been saying this really right from the start people need to take kind of a personal responsibility for their mm. own safety as well I mean you can see it there in the UK where people are saying oh you know about masks and all that kind of stuff there is an element I think of personal responsibility but this is not going to work like a piece of paper is not going to work mm. <laughs> Do you do you agree with the idea, Mary Jane, that if it's the only safe way to go forward to get people indoors? You know that what? Yeah. I, I, I've been very compliant right the way through, mm-hmm. um, right, in, in lots of ways, like in, in every way, you know, if, if we were told to do something, I was doing it and everything like that. Um, I think this is going to kind of create a bit of a two-tier society. I think it's kind of, it really, there is an element of when you're going out, of personal responsibility that everybody has to take. Mm. So if you're going to be licking somebody's face, you know, like it's, you know, we now realise we're not in the Grail Trucks in 1977 or whatever anymore. You know, you have to keep your little bit of distance between people and stuff. Mary Jane, the prospect of licking faces, you're just after sort of putting a shiver down the back of my spine in the middle of of a pandemic. Well, pandemic or no pandemic, going around town licking people's faces. Well, listen... Only you, you only think of that, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I was. Do you know what this? But somebody on Twitter actually said to me recently that their child was going to the Gwail Talk to Irish College, yeah. and one of the things that they had put on the stipulations, I was roaring laughing, was, you know, when you come down here, that there'd be no kissing, and you know, the the biggest best part of going to the Gwail Talk oh, yeah. is getting the shift. Yes, like, yes. So, so that that's why they're all queuing up to get the vaccine. You know, the eighteen year olds. But anyway. I, you know, there is an element of personal responsibility. I don't really like the idea of a two-tier society or, yeah. you know, because I think it's a personal decision. As long as it's only for a short it. while, you'd kind of yeah. say, right, well, if, if if the pubs and the businesses need to get open, then that kind yeah. of might be where we need to go. But there is a two-tier element to it. Mary Jane, thanks. As always, good to speak with you. That's Mary Jane O'Regan. Let's get a political side to this now, because as I said, I read this morning, right, 1.8 million vaccine passes are to be sent out to those who are vaccinated fully at this stage, but they're going to do it by by post. Uh, Sean Defoe, a political correspondent, what's that about? Good morning. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, so it's, it's going to be partly by post, and not all by post, because obviously the digital green search, they clue is in the name, isn't it? It yes. should be digital, and that was kind of what we all thought it would be. It would be something on our phone, something we could scan a QR code on, but uh, what essentially is going to happen, I'm told, is that if you registered through the vaccine portal. So if you went online and you did what the 30 to 34-year-olds are now going to do over the next few days, you gave your email, you gave your phone number, and those people are going to be sent the vaccine search uh, by email, electronically, the way we all thought it was done. But if you went through your GP, if you went through your pharmacy, you're probably going to be posted it out because that's the detail uh, that they have for you. And I think some of the thinking behind it is probably that a lot of the people that went through the GP were in the older age cohort. They might have smartphones or might be overly equipped to work in them. So they'll have a, a physical one as well. And that's the way it's kind of going to sit up. The, the, the paper one, million. though, are they looking at the forgery element of the paper thing, though? I see. 
I think it's very open to forgery, personally. And I did ask uh, someone in government about this this morning, and they said, well, look, you know, we'd look at other countries that have done it where they've had paper. Uh, that's the way everyone is doing this sort of thing. And if you have someone who is committed enough, of course, they're going to be able to forge something like this, but they don't think the majority of people will. And there will obviously be some people who are going to be doing it, and it does sound to me although it is a bit open to forgery and a bit open to people kind of selling a few undone peels to get you into the pub. And we know that we had the meeting yesterday with the Restaurant Association and the Vintners and government officials, and is that there another meeting scheduled for sometime Thursday? Are, are they on board with this idea? I, I think they are largely on board. Talking to some of them at the meeting last night, look, they accept that they want to get open by... July 19th, there has to be a, give, a bit of give and take. And Minister Michael McGrath said that on the way into the Cabinet meeting this morning. He said, look, you're going to have to work with us if you want to be able to get open and sort of fight the bullet and accept that some sort of a system like this is going to have to be the one in place. And talking to restaurateurs, I think they, they accept that. How they're going to police this was a big issue. They are very insistent it won't be a QR code system for indoor dining. That, that isn't manageable, they believe. And the system that they would prefer, if there has to be one, is where you get, say, this physical search or this search on your phone. And say if you have a table of, of four people, you're basically going to have to tick a box. And the restaurant is going to have to tick a box and say that all of those people are fully vaccinated. That might involve showing the vaccine pass you've been sent by the HSE or by the government and then also showing your ID as well to make sure they match up. You're not just borrowing the pass right. off a friend who is vaccinated, for example. So yeah. something like that, some sort of a, a fudge or a double check system. Is, is this going to be rolled out sort of quickly, Sean? We won't still be thinking about this on the 21st of July, like? Uh, well, hopefully not. No, the, uh, now, the, anyone I talked to this morning, both in government and uh, among the restaurant union, were fairly confident they could get this done, although the restaurants are insistent, whatever date is picked for the opening of indoor dining, they need a week, at least a week's notice for obvious reasons to get stock in, etc. And buy all the supplies that they need. But look... They've had the meeting yesterday. The uh, Restaurant Association of Ireland National Executive is meeting today to go through the details and a bit of a finer tooth comb. And then government and restaurants are meeting again on Thursday. So the will is definitely there to get it done. Whether we're actually having indoor dining open on the 19th or a little bit later, it's still a bit up in the air. But I don't think we're talking about a, a maximum delay further to it if it comes to that. All right, listen, Sean, thank you for being with us. A busy man, Sean Defoe, a political correspondent. So another theory is that you'll get this thing in the post and you'll scan it into your phone and then it'll be on your phone for you to show your phone. But with paper in the system, and you know, okay, most people won't, but people will forge. Or forge. And ask any doorman on any bar, any bar around town where they have a problem with young people getting in, ask them how good the forgeries are. They are good, like. Interesting tweet by our friend in Queensland, Dr Niall Conroy, who, of course, is a consultant in public health out there. We've spoken to him many times on the show during the course of the pandemic about how Australia has been doing and about how he thinks it's faring here at home. And we will be talking to Niall in the next few days. We'll just setting up a time that that, that, that works for him. But, because we want to talk about the situation in Australia, which they have their problems at the moment with, with Delta, don't we all, says you, but they're coping with it, as the Australians do. But he he tweeted this morning in response to the Boris Johnson announcement yesterday. And he wrote, we're going to be hit hard. More deaths, more hospitalizations, But we can do this Thanks to our awesome vaccine rollout. 
And Niall says he has a neck like a jockey's <laughs> trying to tell tell sell that random stream of consciousness to the public with a straight face. Clearly, Niall Conroy isn't impressed with Boris's plan for reopening the UK. It's something else to bring up in the discussion when we chat over the days to come. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. On those digital vaccination certs that we're all going to get in the post, I think. And I'm, not conf- I'm confused. I think Sean Defoe did his best to explain to me what I'm still confused. The certs won't be used like just like the voting machines that cost 50 million and scrapped for a tenner. Uh, what if you went through your GP and you're in your 20s? Can you contact your GP and give your email address? I'm sure, look, it'll all be explained to us once they figure out what they're doing. But you'd kind of hope that if they're going to get them out to us by the 19th of July, they'd want to be licking stamps before next Tuesday, before this day week. So we'll, we'll find out more. I have no doubt we'll find out more as we move forward during the week. Caller was on to say, could we think today, if you are a praying person, then maybe pray. If you light candles, then maybe light a candle. But at least think of the great Vicky Phelan She's heading home. She's having her last scan today in the States before she heads home after six months. She's been out there getting intensive experimental treatment for her cancer. And I keep an eye to her videos on Instagram. She has been through the wars, the poor woman. But the last time I heard she was in reasonably good form and it seems to be working, shall we say. It would appear to be working. So here's hoping against all hope that Vicky uh, is is coming back with good news 1850 my Spanish is just about good enough to order me dinner so I'm not going to try and translate this but but El Pace the Spanish newspaper uh, is announcing there's some kind of a lockdown has been announced on in Catalonia uh, they're talking about an eight night shutdown in Catalonia because of uh, coronavirus infection. I'm trying to get a translation. I'll try and get it before the LP. I should know better than the pronounce Right. There's, so in other words, there's trouble in Spain, lads. Trouble in Spain. 1850-715-996. Lovely exhibition at the um, Crawford Art Gallery called Animals by Artists. It's called Menagerie. And just to finish out today, I'm going to catch up with Michael Waldron, who's one of the curators. Hi, Michael. Hi, how's it going? Good, good, good. This is a very diver- diverse and interesting collection. Tell me about it. Well, it's yeah, it really is. So Menagerie um, is an exhibition of works from the collection here at Crawford Art Gallery. And um, I suppose... Uh, it brings together art from across the centuries, so historic art, but also contemporary, and um, really asks the question, what might we learn um, about animals that are seen through an artist's eye? Um, and we thought it was good timing for an exhibition that thinks about animals and our relationship with them. And who who's involved? What, what artists are involved? <laughs> 
So I suppose there are some, um, uh, quite a lot of Irish artists, but there are international artists too. But um, maybe some of the names people might recognise would be um, people like Nora McGuinness and Michael Quayne, the sculptor, um, Tony O'Malley and uh, and Nano Reed. So there, there are some kind of names in Irish art, Patrick Hennessy, Daniel MacLeese as well. Um, but there are also, I suppose, um, artworks that people may not have ever seen before or have been seldom seen. So it's yeah. a great opportunity for us to, to show hidden parts of the collection as well. We've also become closer through the whole lockdown thing with our domestic pets and there's a lot of focus in this on domestic pets and studies of domestic pets. There is. So there's a gorgeous painting um, that is a real favourite of people um, it's called Self-Portrait and Cat by Patrick Hennessy and it's the most photorealistic <laughs> you could almost touch it. We won't, we won't ask you to touch it but uh, a really gorgeous furry fluffy ginger cat um, so yeah that focus on pets we were keenly aware really that um, people during lockdown became closer to their pets or really valued them or got new ones um, but also that you know when we were out for walks or in a garden we would notice you know birds um, more frequently or you know otters in the river or whatever so we thought you know well what, what animals might we notice in an art collection and what would happen if we brought them all together into a um, into an exhibition um, there's a bit of joy we all love looking at animals and birds and things a little bit more over the last 12 to 15 months because for a long time that's all we had left to look at Michael listen <laughs> good luck with it it runs until March of 2022 beautiful exhibition called Menagerie Animals by Artists at the Crawford Art Gallery and that's Michael Waldron one of the curators right I've managed to translate using a gadget on me phone that LP um, headline in Catalonia all nightlife and entertainment is to shut at the end of this week to cope with an increase in infections of COVID-19. They have 40% of their population vaccinated, but it would appear that the virus is catching up with them faster than they can catch up with the virus. That's the news breaking from Spain today. So, yeah. And those, those who are saying it's over... They're being proved wrong every hour. That's it. The programme today, edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry, and we shall see you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream.